Welcome to Devon Dragon Radio. I'm your host, Emma Wuschak. I'm here with my good friend and author, Margaret O'Connor. Welcome. Thank you, Emma. I really appreciate this opportunity. Now, you, you have this fantastic book out called Scandal in the Shadows. Now, it's right behind you, actually, in photographs. The original priest, the Mary Mother. What made you write this book? Well, back in the 1960s, when I was uh, still small, my mother had bought my brother uh, a cardboard replica of a regular like church altar. And Paul would play the part of the priest. And being a twin myself and my twin sister, Pat, we were like the parishioners. Well, of course, we get to a certain point and we wanted to take over being the priest. But I never uh, will forget my brother Paul would say, no, you can't be a priest, you're girls. You know, this is only for, uh, you have to be a man. So that, of course, was my earliest, you know, introduction that uh, being in the Catholic Church and being a woman, uh, obviously, you couldn't go any further, you know, ever think of being a priest. Mm -hmm. Well, I went on through my life and I started hearing, like, I called them rumors, that there actually were women priests uh, in the early history of our church. And then when I started getting hold of books where they did this research, biblical research, mm -hmm. yes, this was in fact, there were not only women priests, there were women bishops, uh, women deacons. Mm -hmm. Well, this really perked my curiosity. Of course. But what really hit me first was this awful um, personal betrayal of my trust. Here of all organizations, a church, I mean, well, it used to be there was almost like an inbuilt, ingrained belief that what they told you was the truth. Mm -hmm. This is somewhere where you, you know you can be comfortable because you're going to be receiving honesty and you're not going to be receiving lies and cover-up. And this really, it was like a personal cut. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it really hit me. But then I decided, what am I going to do? Am I going to just stay down in this feeling of like resignation that I can't do anything? But it was basically just my own conscience telling me this is wrong. There's so many of my other fellow Catholics, not only here in the U.S., but as well uh, worldwide, that have absolutely no idea of this hidden truth. No, they, we don't really. There's so much history that's been buried that we don't know the truth anymore. Yes, and it's conveniently, what, what is that saying? Out of sight, mm -hmm. out of mind. Mm -hmm. So I decided, well, I mean, how, how can I get my word out to a larger group of people? And I first thought of writing a book and then I got to a point where I did have a certain intrepidation because who am I? I'm just a regular woman, you know, a lay woman in the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. I certainly don't have a doctorate in theology. And let's face it, a church is a huge organization. They have millions and millions of dollars. 
Uh, monetarily, obviously, I could never. Oh yeah, I can see you not wanting to go against the Vatican. I mean, really, you don't want to expose anything to a church that has eons of money, right? Definitely. And uh, one of my uh, other podcasts I did, there was a man called Matt Napple, uh, Mind Dog TV, and he outright asked me. He says, Margaret, he said, Are you David? Uh, going against Goliath? And I said, yes, I'm little David going against the Catholic Church. And that's basically how I feel. And what I've done is I've done picketing, uh, you know, for women's ordination. And this is just an unbelievable experience. I, I almost have the feeling at times like, what did I get myself into? Because here again, when you think of it, it a member of the laity is out there, you know, and there's other women as well picketing for this. Mm -hmm. um, but we're out there and we're basically trying to get this information out to our fellow Catholics. And yet we're viewed like some pariah. And you get so many reactions. Uh, first of all, some people will just they just can't believe this. They're, I, I, I think they're like in a state of denial. Mm -hmm. Because let's face it, if you're going to uh, believe what I'm saying, what does that mean to you? That means that you're acknowledging that the Catholic Church has lied to you as well. Yeah. And I know for um, not all the older people, but uh, a larger percentage, they they would be very uncomfortable you know what i mean and like right we get considering something like that people we get comfortable with a way of thinking when our way of thinking is in challenge we either accept it as we've been lied to or fooled because it, sometimes you're just brought up believing something so you don't question it or you go no the person giving you this correct information is a liar and we don't want anything to do with them. Yes, and I will hear raised voices. <laughs> you heretic, you liar, you don't belong in our church. Go over a few blocks away, go to that church. Mm -hmm. And But the main consensus was, the main theme, or the question that I heard over and over, and it, it makes sense, was, well, wait a minute. If what you're saying is true, then how come our church has not told us this and see that's where the whole problem i'm calling it a problem basically a roadblock comes in yeah because these catholics have such an ironclad belief that whatever the church tells them that is it period uh, there's like no wiggle room to go under or well, around we, something we or go back to the rise of the Catholic Church, or churches in general. You have your one person that has read the Bible, or read what they preach, because there's different versions depending on which religion. So you rely on that person that's preaching the gospel to you, to know what they're talking about, always uh, tell you the truth, so it's not going to be questioned because we don't need to read it ourselves. The truth is, the person up there is only interpreting it 
it the way they want to interpret or the way they are taught to interpret. Definitely. So you, you're in like that small confines mm -hmm. and, and, and none of those individuals, unfortunately, will not veer any way, but they'll just absolutely take in what they're told. And of course, another familiar um, title is Pray and Obey. And like back in the Catholic Church in the 40s, 50s, well, I, I probably since whenever, you know, yeah. um, Catholics knew that you dare not ask your pastor uh, any questions because here again, who are you as the laity? I mean, you know, you, you just know, you have no like learned knowledge in this special field. And so you basically kept your thoughts inside right and i think today this is awful but um so many of the older generation because obviously they went through all these different decades mm -hmm. and that's how it was and it's ingrained in them so again you have a group of people coming and picketing not only um on the women's ordination issue but as well on the woman priest uh, issue Mm -hmm. And again, you're in a sense confronting their views. And with the sexual priest, uh, just awful. With that occurrence, I would have thought that Catholics would have come out in droves. Because let's face it, I mean, mm -hmm. how morally awful can it be to have a priest going against the child of all yeah. you know, people? We've and been yet, watching this, I've been watching this since the 90s. I'm like, where is all the outrage? We teach this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. So why is not wrong for the priest to do this? I don't understand. That's it. There is no moral outrage. And I'm just put in, 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 in no way am I trying to excuse, you know, mm -hmm. the Catholic lady from not coming out. But I think they're just so ingrained. You know, with this pray and obey, keep your mouth shut, don't say anything. Because when we were out, uh, I was with um, two other individuals and we were picketing uh, against our bishop in Buffalo and uh, evidence did come out that, you know, the things that went on, that he was, you know, responsible. But they, the, the lady would just get so upset. And they would come out and have the nerve to tell us, and they'd point their fingers at us. You are the ones that are bringing down the church. Mm -hmm. You're the ones that are destroying the church. And one woman was so livid. This was in the middle of winter. And she whipped open her coat. I thought, oh my God, does she have a gun? I mean, I didn't know. Yeah. She had a cup, uh, and in the cup was holy water. And she started to proceed to bless each of us. And I was at the other end. I said, no. I said, just a minute, ma'am. I'm Catholic. I know exactly what's going on inside that church. Mm -hmm. But again, they were like overlooking the uh, indiscretions of the hierarchy. And who, who could they blame? Actually, the blame went to obviously anyone out there. Yeah. Picketing. But, but we had a bishop that... This was just unreal. A previous bishop had come left, and he removed a priest. 
Well, as soon as this new bishop came in, I knew something was wrong. This former priest was immediately reinstated. Mm -hmm. Well, obviously he showed us two colors and he had to be moved from here to there. Well, it got so bad that this bishop wrote a glowing letter to a Catholic cruise line to take this priest down to, you know, remove him like from the Buffalo dioceses. Yeah. But I mean, the bishop, where is his conscience? Right. He knows this offending priest should be near nowhere on a cruise ship where there would be, you know, children there, obviously. Yeah. We need to, when we remove someone from a higher position, we need to remove them completely. It's a cancer. You don't just move the cancer. You take it out, eradicate it, put it in jail if you can. <laughs> <laughs> oh, definitely. And, and, and is what you're saying in the Catholic Church, that, that means the bishops and above them are the cardinals. Mm -hmm. And like, I live in Buffalo, New York. So just this area, you think of all the parishes and where you reside and where people in Ireland or in Australia reside, every single diocese has bishops and cardinals. And, and it's like a chessboard to them, I swear. They just move these people here. Like if they're in Buffalo, they'll move them to Orchard Park or wherever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you just can envision that all across uh, the U.S. and worldwide. And, and that's why I'm trying to get the, uh, the truth out, you know, of this matter. Right. That um, I think these people, if they, if maybe if they look at this differently, if they had a close friend and that friend told them a certain truth, and obviously they would never even think to question it because, let's say, it came from you or I, and, you know, we were close, and, well, th that's where it ends. But how would they personally feel if they found out that that true friend of theirs had been lying to them? Right. We, we look at things, okay, this doesn't make sense to me. A person in the church is moved to another church. How many parishioners follow the uh, priest or that person that's preaching to them. You know, it has been to every church, Baptist, uh, Protestant, Catholic, it goes on and on and on. They follow the same preacher while they're being moved for a reason. They're not being moved because they're great and they've got the parishioners up at this church. They're being moved for something behind the scenes that you're not being told. Definitely. And then uh, I never thought of it, but normally like a Catholic priest is at the parish for uh, six years and then they're moved down. Well, when all these offending priests, uh, the information started to come out, then you would see that, oh, they were at this parish mm -hmm. for two, three years, and then they moved to this parish and it was like a pattern. Mm -hmm. But of course, unless you know, you know that they did something like that, you you wouldn't have. And yeah. if they're a new priest, you know what I mean. But when you start to connect all this stuff, it, we have to take the veil from our eyes, lift it up, and actually see what's going on. Not just trust blindly, but actually research, read, listen, 
and get the actual truth because we're only told one tenth of the truth anyways. And, and again, with the Catholic Church of, or whatever church, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's just how, where are their morals? More importantly, how are they um, following Jesus's ministry? And I, I'm calling these not every priest, you know, there's the good priest, mm -hmm. unfortunately. But for all the offending priests, I call them so-called men of God because that's, they're not men of God. They're, they're just following their own perverse, you know, way of living. And they're the farthest from, you know, what Jesus expanded on the truth, the honesty. Right. See, this is my, my grandfather was Catholic and he was also an ordained minister. So I got a lot of TC teachings from him from different things because he was in oh, theology yeah so i got a lot of his information but he's like the best way to bring down something is from within you put evil and corruption into a place of god you're now corrupting your parishioners you're now taking them away from the true meaning of what they're going to the church for mm -hmm. And that's the whole thing. These Catholics have to literally wake up and mm -hmm. get out of that pray and obey trance, you know, to recognize the seriousness of this, if, if anything is going to ever change. But out of all this gloom and doom in my research, I really, um, there was a John um, a Winch guy, and he had a book on women's ordination in the Catholic Church. And he had a whole chapter, and he, it was something that I found wonderful. But other Catholics that aren't aware of this might find it shocking mm -hmm. that Mary, Mother of God, was actually a priest. She had a title. Um, she was the model of all priesthood in the church. And then a lot of times people question that because they're thinking, wait a minute, uh, Mary was never ordained. Well, at the Immaculate Conception, um, she received the same anointing by the Holy Spirit. She received that anointing that Jesus also received. And they said that she, after Jesus, is the is a high priest. And in fact, they will even quote uh, like Hebrews uh, 7.26, that indeed it's wonderful that she is a high priest. And that's how one of the things when she actually got the term, the Immaculate Conception, it was based on proving that she was a priest. And then they would use that term from Hebrews. So that, that was pretty interesting. But going back to her being a priest, in today's church, one of the main reasons the, they'll say that women uh, can't be a priest is um, they, they can't share or do like be a sacrificial priest. And yet this is a point that this author made that she was as much a sacrificial priest as any male priest was. She was right. a bishop. I um, firmly believe it goes beyond that to women's rights. We went to 
no, 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 we can't have this because back when, okay, 1200 BC or whatever, whenever this all happened, I forget my ears, sorry, but um, we had the women priest because we're of Mary. We had that. Mm -hmm. Why did we get away from that is beyond me. Why is this well, not being taught in the churches today? We have to go way back. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we have to go way, history. way back. We have to go actually read the Bible, but also read the stories written from that time that weren't put in the Bible or were taken out as later editions came out. That's right. There's so much of the women's material, as you said, wasn't included, or it, it, it very selectively was taken out, and it, it's in um, the Vatican, um, in their archives. Mm -hmm. So we have to have someone seriously, you know, get down there and do research into that. Um, I think this is really the only way that these Catholics that are just won't take any word beyond right. you know the hierarchy if you're a member of the church you have the right to request reading those archives this is going to be denied let's face it it's yes. the vatican they're going to deny yeah, anything we're, that's, we're a woman we're yeah we're, we're feeble-minded uh, yeah so it's going to be denied but you have the right to request reading it Yes, and wouldn't it be wonderful if it actually came true? Mm -hmm. that, that would be a miraculous miracle in itself just to be able to read everything that was taken out or hidden away to have the church where it's at today. And you brought up a very interesting point when you were saying, well, why is it that, you know, women can't be priests? If you go way back into the early history, um, Roman law, our Catholic Church law, was shaped by Roman law. Mm -hmm. And John Winsgards again went into this, and it was bad enough for a woman if you were, weren't rich. Mm -hmm. You basically had nothing, and you were viewed by that patriarchal society as nothing. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine the Roman civic law if you were a woman. Yeah, back in the Roman well, times, women were no more than cattle. Let's no, and the, the ones that were rich were the ones that had, you know, the home churches. Mm -hmm. Or they had like the service and their, their homes were larger. So going back in that context of basically so many women, they didn't have money, so they were nothing. They were seen as nothing. Well, then the um, church fathers uh, incorporated this Roman law and it be into our own church law. Our mm -hmm. own church law was shaped from this. So you have um, the Latin theologians in particular had bent towards this slant. So you can imagine if there were laws about women already woman had two or three strikes against them. Right. Now, the, oh, how, how can I put this? The canon lawyers back there, it all, it all, all, I'm sorry, it all 
all goes back to that early time. Women were seen as inferior. They were seen as unclean. Um, they were feeble-minded mentally. So there was all these preconceptions that women could never be a priest. Right. And again, there's so many biblical reasons that you've heard that why women can't be a priest. They were believed not to be created in the image of God. And here again, that's just pure cultural prejudice. Mm -hmm. The men back there thought, wait a minute, how could this be? We have dominion over women. Women are feeble-minded. So there's just no way they could ever be created in God's image. And then... Uh, as well, women were believed never to have uh, taught in the church. Again, you'll hear um, 1 Corinthians uh, 14, verses 34, 35, or uh, 1 Peter 2, 12. But when you really look into it, again, it's cultural bias. How could these women ever be out in public and doing, of all things, teaching with their poor mental intellect and their emotional instability. And they even had a common law back then that basically said this condition was found more so, of course, in women. And then uh, also, um, it was believed biblically that women carried the punishment for each sin. And you go way back into Genesis for this, and again, it's, you know, it's cultural. Uh, in nature, but obviously, if a woman was believed to be carrying sin, she wasn't a stellar candidate for ordination. Right. But who was the perfect members of the church mm -hmm. who were the men? And then it was also believed that Jesus, when he chose his 12 apostles, this was like some definitive ruling that he intentionally did this because he didn't want women not only to be priests then, but as well not to be priests for the uh, entire future. And John Winsgard brought up a, a really important point. He said, when you look back when Jesus did chose those 12 men to represent the 12 tribes of Israel, that society, that ancient Israel society was purely a patriarchal in nature. Mm -hmm. And he just knew no way choosing women that would have never, you know, gotten no, off the ground. That time, that would have never have worked because of the way the culture was. We have advanced so much as a society that we should not be holding people back from beliefs that were taken out to begin with. <laughs> oh, I know. It's unreal. And then finally, the last reason, uh, as well as all the others were biblically attributed, and we can see that they aren't, uh, was that Jesus was a man, and therefore you have to have a man uh, to do uh, the uh, Eucharist on the altar. And again, this, this is just purely cultural in nature but here again where is our hierarchy over all these centuries uh, and into today with this new research proving all of those previously biblical 
attributed reasons uh, to prevent women from becoming priests, why hasn't our hierarchy stepped in and and changed that? And in other words, eliminated that. I there's think, just silence. Okay. I think if we put a woman in the Vatican as the Pope, you would see so much radical change that they're afraid of it. And I think they don't want to give up their power. Mm -mm. No, they don't. It's all a power grab. And that's 100% what it is. A woman, <laughs> we have proven this over the years, can run a house completely on bringing ends that don't tie, make them tied and make them say tied because that's what women do. We run the household. Well, if we can run a household, we can surely run anything else. But that's where they're, they're afraid. You know, that view of like the woman has to stay in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. and they are afraid of change. They are afraid of giving power and they are afraid to let people know the truth. Yes, and even this is just unbelievable. Our current uh, Pope Francis, when he was a cardinal back in 2010, uh, Jamie Mason writes for the National Catholic Reporter, and she had a blog out, and she mentioned uh, Pope Francis's book back then was called On Heaven and Earth. And he made this statement, uh, I'm, I'm paraphrasing it, but basically it was that woman received the feminist movement um, received like what they wanted back when women gained the right to vote well of course we're talking 1920 so mm -hmm. do you mean from 1920 to our present day that there are no other uh, women uh, issues out there or oh, inequality no. to pay and of course sexual discrimination mm -hmm. And when you look of all places in our Catholic Church, woman's inequality. Mm -hmm. But it, it's just um, frightening in a way that now you see why that issue of woman's uh, inequality has never been um, broached by the hierarchy. Because if you have a present pope saying, well, Whatever women wanted, they, they received that back in the 1920s. Well, in the 1920s, they were just trying to get to vote. Yeah. <laughs> then we had a fight to get to jobs and get those jobs where we can be presidents and CEOs and stuff like this. We're constantly evolving. It's just, it just doesn't stop in the 1920s. Well... But we uh, are almost out of time. So where can our listeners and our viewers find you and your book? Uh, yes, it's yourradicaltruth.com, yourradicaltruth.com. And if they could just check out a petition there for Mary Priest, uh, I would really appreciate that. That would be awesome. I will put the link in the comments section of this video. And Mary, Margaret, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you, ML. Have a wonderful day. Take care.